Welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast, connecting you to the leading minds in home improvement to discuss all things marketing and leadership. And now, your host, Kyle Powers. Welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Powers. Have an awesome episode for the listeners today. We're going to be covering many points, but the most important point we're going to be covering is how to create the proper expectations with your customers with dealing with long lead times. As most of my clients that I've spoke to are dealing with that issue right now, I assume most of everyone is dealing with that with supply chain issues and things like that. And we're really going to talk about how you can turn that frown upside down, uh, really make a happy customer, set the proper expectations. But when we're talking about the operation side of the business, how that can really eventually turn into more leads and more sales and ultimately more dollars for your business. And here today to talk to me about that, is a lady that has spent pretty much her entire adult career uh, in operations and management and logistics sides of the home improvement industry. She is also a consultant with me at Tony Hody Training and Consulting, focusing on just that, the operations side. So I'd like to welcome to the Lead Gen Leaders Podcast, Jamika Spencer. Hello, Jamika. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing pretty fantastic today. And yourself? Oh, I can't complain at all. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to have you on the show and, and really talk about some big topics in the industry right now from you know, long you know, wait times and lead times for you know, customers and how to manage that you know, and really how to, to manage you know, rapid growth as a lot of companies have been doing very well in this COVID times uh, and, and some pitfalls they can avoid. So I think we're going to have a, a, just a phenomenal show for the listeners today. But before we really get into that, uh, would you mind sharing, Jamika, with the listeners kind of who you are and, and how you got to where you're at? Yeah. So uh, my career really started in the industry in a small mom and pop organization in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, from there, I took a role with American Exteriors, where I spent most of my career um, growing in the ranks as a uh, project supervisor, really, initially um, in the Omaha office. And that, uh, you know, grew to management. And from there, I had the opportunity to kind of join the expansion team and, and grow American Exteriors across many states um, with my time with them. So um, moved to Kansas City in 2010, became a regional manager, opening up, uh, you know, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Minnesota, really expanding the footprint of the organization. And from there, uh, my predecessor, John Sullivan, retired. And in 2012, I was promoted to the VP of Ops of the organization, where I then moved out to Denver, Colorado, to continue with the expansion and the growth of, of, the, of the company. So um, really just knee-deep in ops over my time there, of course, involved with sales and marketing as uh, my, my co-executives headed up those departments and uh, had the opportunity after some time to branch out and start helping other organizations with their operational development, growth of their organizations, and really creating a culture of just operational excellence. So 
just continuing on that path. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so currently uh, you're consulting and you uh, yep. are, are with us also at Tony Hody Training Consulting on the, you know, consulting on ops, as well as some other things that you do with a lot of businesses outside of our industry, which I think is really cool that, you know, a lot of these basic principles kind of transcend all organizations, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, um, having a strong operational um, core foundation of your business is really what um, has a direct correlation to the growth and and being successful. So that that is uh, regardless of the industry that you're in or the product that you're pushing out to your consumers, for sure. So, Jamika, yeah, that, that really brings us to the first big topic, and it is something that every single client that I have has brought to my attention. And I know, you know, with Megan and Tony, everybody has reached out to us about this, and that is extended lead times. And is there any way to turn that frown upside down and make those customers happy and that they did business with you? Uh, because everyone has an extended lead time right now. It's not just any one organization. Right, right. Well, just, you know, my magic wand. No, I'm just playing. I wish there was such a thing. Um, extended lead times are always a concern, but I think they are, it is definitely a, a heightened concern right now for most organizations, to your point. And, you know, I think if I was to really, you know, hone in and key in on, on some main areas, I can really narrow it down to, you know, three causes and effects that are kind of going on right now. One of them is going to be, of course, always your installation or contractor crew limitations. Um, this is something that we find ourselves dealing with always, it seems like. And I find that ties back to living in a reactive culture. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute um, and, and needing to have a proactive uh, recruitment process in place. Then we also are dealing with manufacturing delays, right? And they have multiple delays for multiple reasons, whether if it's COVID, lack of staff, or whatever the case may be. And then, of course, there's always our internal processes and delays and, and what goes on there. Um, so when we look at those causes um, and then tie them into the effects, right? So install or contractor crews and not having enough of those those instantly lead to um, extended lead times for when we can get a customer scheduled, which of course can affect our sales team in the home, right? So we want to have realistic um, lead times that can be communicated to the customers and not scare them away because we're looking at, you know, two, three, four, six months down the road. Uh, we live in a world of instant gratification. Folks enjoy scheduling appointments online and being able to get in same day. We live in a world of same day delivery. Um, and so when, when we talk about install dates, uh, folks definitely want their product installed sooner than later. Um, yeah, our menu. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, just a, a point on that. You know, I, I found it was interesting that I always thought that if, you know, you bought a home improvement project, of course, there's going to be a wait time. And I, I, at first, you know, when I was newer in this industry, didn't really think that, you know, getting much faster than the standard, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, that kind of stuff would do anything. But uh, when I was at Tunderland, one of the things they really, you know, kind of pioneered was those processes that, you know, how can we turn something really quickly? How can we install a walk-in tub tomorrow? How can mm. we do, you know, a deck in a day and get out there, you know, within a week and get it installed? How can yeah. we, you know, how can we stock some, you know, bathroom stuff where, you know, if we don't 
don't have an install tomorrow and we sold something today, that could be our selling point that we could install it tomorrow. And I was like, well, those are, you know, cool in theory and we might be able to do it, but does that really affect the customer at all? And I was actually really, really surprised that people love that kind of stuff. They love it. And, and I've even seen the flexibility of, okay, so if we know we have a product delay, right, we're, we're looking at three weeks until we have product in, four weeks until we have an installer available. What about providing the instant gratification of a date right then and there still to the customer? Sometimes folks just knowing that they have a date provides them with that gratification that they're looking for as well. So don't think because I don't have the installer right now or I don't have the product right now that you can't provide some sort of gratification to your customer for them to look forward to. And a set date, even though it may be a little bit further down the road, is still it still provides that gratification. Um, so sometimes even though the crew limitations, you may not have an instant resolve. The product limitations, you may not have an instant resolve. You still don't have to leave the customer in that limbo period. You can still use the lead times that you have if you've calculated them appropriately based the reasons for your delays, whether if it's a crew or, or a product issue, and provide that customer with a date to look forward to. Um, and that also ties back to internally, you know, with your internal team and the culture and, and your sales team and your marketing team and them having faith and knowing that operations has reliable lead times that they're hitting those dates um, it really allows them to perform better in the field, I feel, as well. So, so that really ties the culture all the way together when you have reliable lead times and you're communicating them in a proactive manner. Yeah, and I, you know, I've heard from um, you know some of my clients that the hardest part for them has been, you know, their manufacturer not even really giving them dates or a good time that hey, you know what, right now it might be three weeks, but by the time this order goes in, it might be four weeks, and it might be five weeks, and not knowing what is yeah. coming in on the truck, and then I think, you know, the 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 worst thing that you know a contractor can do is you know tell a customer a date that's too soon and keep having to push it back. I think that's where you really irritate somebody. What are your thoughts on that? I agree a hundred percent. And, and I think, again, this goes back to proactive communication. You know, I've had the luxury and I will say luxury of vendor manufacturer relationships where, you know, their manifest always comes on time. It's always reliable. What they say, the product that is coming on the truck is always on the truck. Um, you just don't deal with a lot of those issues. Um, and then there's the situations like what we've been dealing with recently where there's a lot of factors that are outside of our control as well as the manufacturer's control as to why they're having delays. So proactive communication to your vendor, to your manufacturing team is an absolute must right now. If you are anticipating, you have to know what you're waiting for. What do your installs look like the next week or two weeks down the road? Which customer's products are you anticipating coming in? Reaching out proactively. Hey, I have these dates as ETAs. Can you confirm that these dates are um, accurate and that this product is going to be on the truck. Um, and again, once you get the manifest, instead of just relying and assuming that those items are on there, that second confirmation I feel is needed right now when maybe it would not have been needed before. Um, it, 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 the proactive communication is just an absolute must. 
and and the relationships with your vendors. If you don't have those first name basis relationships, I would suggest starting to build them uh, sooner than later. They are key in these times. And being able to pick up the phone and track down something that's missing, ask for a favor and get something rushed when it's needed to satisfy a customer, those things really matter and they'll make or break you right now. Yeah, and kind of tying back to the you know the crews themselves in in having that recruiting process um, and and having enough crews to you know install what you're selling. Uh, some some of the smartest guys in this business I know when they look at growth, they have always told me that the first thing they look at is is crew accrual days. You know, it, what's it going to take? Am I going to have to add another crew? Am I going to have to add two more crews to support the you know the leads and sales that I can get? Um, and I've seen also the flip side of that that companies that could you know rapidly grow, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, you know, do the opposite where hey, it's like the leads are plentiful right now. It's and they can get them sold, but then they get this huge backlog. And then that's where those dreaded one-star reviews come from, you know, when you're six months out. And even when times were good before COVID hit, you know, they you know, had those kind of issues, um, you know, on their own doing. Nothing to do with, you know, product backlog or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, long before COVID, that was an issue. I think we all know that, right? And the the sit back and wait, we, we just we have to stop doing that. We have to know that uh, sales is always going to push. Marketing is always going to be thinking of what's the next best route, what's the next best way to get leads. Um, and so we have to assume that the work is going to continue to come. And the ultimate goal is growth, right? So why would we ever get content within our contractor recruitment? Um, we should we should always be anticipating that growth. Um, even if we see, hey, sales did a big push or marketing did a big push and maybe it didn't quite go as planned. Again, you're going to hear me continue to go back to it. Proactive communication. Hey, I, I recruited these four new contractors because I was anticipating some growth and maybe that growth didn't happen. So we just don't communicate with those guys and we burn a bridge or do we proactively communicate with them, let them know that we still have every intentions of working with them and keep those fires hot for when that time does come. That's the way that I would suggest that we go about it. Um, so nurturing those relationships in a proactive manner, if you, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. That's the, that's the way I like to think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, and, and so do you say on the same side, I mean, the production side, obviously just being in the industry for quite a while, I, I have some yeah. understanding, uh, but that is certainly not where my, you know, expertise lies. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and as we talk on the, you know, sales and marketing side, it's, you know, instead of ABC always be closing, it's ABR always be recruiting. Uh, do, mm. you, do you say the same thing on, on the production side? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100 um, percent. You know, my husband always jokes if if we drive past a contractor's truck, you know, we're at the red light. I have my phone out trying to get a picture of this phone number and the sign on the side of his truck. If we're at Home Depot and I see guys loading out what looks like could be a job, you know, I'm pulling out my business card and I'm going over and handing it to them. Um, I, I'm always recruiting. It's my mindset constantly is to network um, and build those relationships. Uh, and, and it's panned out. It, it's worked to my advantage when I, I've been in tough times as well as massive growth times that I've built those relationships and, and I have those phone numbers and those email addresses to reach out to. 
Absolutely. So really, I mean, this whole first part of the topic that we're talking about, about extended lead times, I think to sum it all up is just being proactive as opposed to reactive. Yeah, it's the key to it. Um, and, and like I said, that is when it comes to setting your expectations with your customers. It's your communication internally with your sales and marketing team about your lead times, being proactive. And it's your communication with your vendors and your manufacturers. It all comes down to proactive communication. If you sit back and you wait, you will find yourself with the extended lead time. And that's across the board in all of those, those areas. And then kind of tying that first topic, you know, with the extended lead times, you know, when you do that right and you create those proper expectations and then hold to those expectations, what does that do for your marketing and sales in the future? Oh, man, it does a ton. Um, I think the top things that come to my mind is it creates repeat business referral business and great customer reviews, right? So even your new customers that are out exploring you online, when they get on and they see a review of how time, how on time you were, how easy the process was, that the installation went seamless, those are the things that folks are looking for when they're vetting a company. Um, when a customer comes back to you over and over again for more business or when they're referring their friends and family and loved ones over to you or our favorite question, if you had to do it again, would you call them? And if the answer is yes, we know that we did our job right. Um, and I think that we can have a great experience uh, generating the lead, collecting the lead, however that was gone about. I think we can have a great experience in the home selling the product and building a relationship up front with the customer. But if we don't execute when it comes to the operations with the installation and with delivering a good product, um, those, those leads will not continue and those sales will not continue. So I, I think ultimately the key to it sits in, in operations hands. Absolutely. And on that same line of being, you know, proactive with stuff is, you know, once that install happens, you know, to get that repeat in referral, uh, you know, business and those reviews is, is, you know, to do a process like we do with our brand ambassador process where you're going back and seeing those people after the install, making sure that, you know, they are 100% satisfied that we did all those steps right. Uh, because you also hear from them maybe where you didn't make the mark right. And then you can then send that back through your organization through communication to get those things changes, you know, so you can keep getting those five-star reviews. And of course, those, you know, additional customers um, and, and everything like that and repeat business. Oh, yeah. And so if you're not proactive with that, you know, if someone's really happy, they might leave your review, but guess what? If they're not happy, they're definitely going to leave you a bad review, right? Yeah, absolutely. We always hear from them when they're unhappy. And that's in the, in the process along the way with that proactive communication during the operational process. Um, the simple difference of something such as an email or a text about, let's say, just a simple update that your product was ordered, right, versus a customer waiting a few weeks and then calling in to ask if their product was ordered. That proactive communication changes the game and the process. Um, and the customer really doesn't even realize it until things start to go bad. And where does the story start? The story always starts with, I had to call in and even find out that my product was ordered, right? That's where the complaint starts. And then it goes from there. And so if you hit those touch points and do it proactively, 
um, you improve their experience so much that sometimes when things are a little wrong, they do just as you mentioned. They give you a little bit of feedback and you can correct it versus it turning into a complaint. And uh, real quick, before we kind of get on to the, the second part of, of what we want to talk about today, yeah. in that increased communication, you know, along the lines of, okay, so sales leaves the home, you know, uh, let's say it's Windows, right? You get a remeasure tech that comes out there, you know, uh-huh. so there's a touch point. Uh, and then, you know, someone orders it. You know, and then when it comes in, usually what happens next, someone calls them, says, hey, your product's arrived. Let's schedule your install. Yeah. What other steps can they take than just those basic ones, you know, as extra touch points? Like, for example, could they, you know, send a direct mail piece or an email saying, hey, you know, congrats on your purchase. It has been orders. You know, we expect it by now. You know, how many more times, you know, can you touch them? Because I would think just even an extra phone call or two could completely change because I, one of the biggest complaints I hear when I visit them is that the customers are, yeah, you know what, it was on time, but they just didn't really feel like they knew what was going on after that. (laughs) Right. Yep. Yep. You're spot on. So automation, automation, automation. That's what I will say to that. Most organizations that I come across are using some sort of a CRM system, Right that has some sort of a basic automation tool capability. And often we are just not utilizing these systems to their, to their full ability. We're just not, there is something very simple on the back end. We've collected this customer's email. We've collected their phone number, which nine times out of 10 is a cell phone these days. Right. Um, We have the ability to set up some very simple automated communication pieces that will make us look like rock stars, right? Um, they know that their process is flowing seamlessly and you don't eat, they don't even have to worry about it because they are getting these little texts or these little emails at each step of the way. You imagine that when you hit ordered, it just automatically sends them a little thing that lets them know it was ordered. Or when the product is coming in and you put that the product is received in the system or you scan it in and see inventory and they get something letting them know and saying, hey, we'll be in touch in 48 hours to get you scheduled. So now they're expecting that. Right. Um, And I think we just lack in utilizing those tools that are right at our fingertips. Um, And I'm just a fan of that. I'm a fan of using what's there. Um, we were really bad about reinventing the wheel when we don't need to pick it, <laughs> right? you know, we'll pick up the phone and make a phone call and not, and we'll tell our, we'll tell our staff to do this, right? Hey, we need to call every customer and tell them when their product's in. And we completely space that the system is capable of doing it for us with the click of a button, a button that we're going to click anyways. Right. So yep. I'm huge. I'm huge on utilizing those tools because they're there. Yeah, and they and they don't let you down once they're set up. They don't. It's just, I mean, the systems are as good as the utilization. And I won't go on a tangent here because it'll really show my ops side. But, you know, those systems being used real time, that's real operational excellence if we're really going to get into it. There is no after the fact. These are real time systems. And so whether if it's inventory or ordering a product or whatever the case may be, if we're really using them the way they're designed to be used, we're using them real time, which equals automation, which equals some amazing updates to our customers, which, like I said, just makes us look like rock stars. 
Yeah. And the biggest point, you know, that you just said in one sentence there is that, you know, utilizing your CRM or the software that you're using uh, to get the most out of it. And that is a very common thing that I hear from many different clients is, oh, we're thinking about switching to CRM. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Well, because my CRM doesn't do this and I'd like it to. And I'm like, no, your CRM does that. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. Did you call and reach out to their service line to see how they could help you? Well, no. So you are just about to make a massive shift in your organization that's going to take a ton of effort and energy when a simple five-minute phone call to their help desk would have got you all set up with exactly what you wanted that you were mad about and going to switch because you didn't think they offered it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My my proactive versus reactive culture also ties back to uh, in operations, we tend to want to deal with the fruit, not the root. And uh, what I mean by that is in processes, when things aren't working, we tend to change completely instead of going back into the beginning, digging in and seeing if there's something available that works for us with what we have, or also adding additional steps on to the back end versus going to the beginning of the process and evaluating where in this process isn't it working for us anymore and how can we adjust. Um, we end up with processes that are so long um, that we, we we can't even keep up with it, more or less satisfy the customer. So. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're, you know, your own employees don't even know it and how to do it. How are they going to yeah. capitalize on it and make the customer yeah. happy with it? <laughs> don't get me started, Kyle. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the problems we have are just our own fault. I mean, I've certainly paid a lot of dumb tax in the business. I'm sure, you know, you have too, and, and learning those things. And that's how we get to where we're at because we do learn from those mistakes and we grow and and we learn how to become resourceful. You know, I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers, but we know how to get the answers. And I think that's, that's the key thing. Uh, that people really need to look at. Um, so yeah, some great points on dealing with extended lead times, how you can be proactive with that and, and and really use that to ultimately in the long run, create more leads, reviews, referrals, and things like that. Um, and kind of moving into the second part of the show that we wanted to talk about uh, was kind of your rise there at American Exteriors. And, you know, with their massive growth that they had, you know, talking about some of those pitfalls that you can run into and how you can, again, be proactive to limit or completely miss some of those pitfalls altogether. Uh, and then finishing up that conversation then with really, you know, what actually made them acquire Bull? I mean, why why did someone look at the business and say, ooh, I want to buy that because this is a great business? So uh, so let's start with some of the pitfalls, uh, Jamika, that you see when companies, you know, have math of, you know, massive growth and what you experience in your past? Yeah. So, you know, I experienced the growth and, and my time at American Exteriors, I went through, you know, the hard times of 09 in the market and, and what that meant for us all in the remodeling industry, um, as, as well as the, you know, the climb after that. And I think the first thing I would like to point out and focus on is the the balance of the the different departments that equal growth. And what I mean by that is marketing, sales, and of course, operations. And often when, when the focus is to get leads and then to close leads, right, um, we forget about the, the um, how we carry out the operations side of that, of that process. And, and so one of the biggest pitfalls and issues I think that 
we experienced at American Exteriors was we had a really good, um, what I would say, playbook for the expansion of sales and, and marketing. And when we went to grow from Omaha to Kansas City, um, the plan was always to use a third-party vendor's uh, product that was very similar to expand into a new market, which is a great plan, right? And then once you have enough sales to warrant your own mar- your own product and your own trucks going into that market, then then you you move on to your your own product. As we were a window manufacturer at American Exteriors as well. Um, and I, I think that what we missed the boat on was having that playbook for operations and exactly how that was going to be carried out, specifically when it came time to service our customers. So you look at the idea of, okay, we go into the market, we have sales established, we have marketing established. Once we get enough product, we'll go into the market and install it, and we'll just send installers down there and keep doing that until we get our own installers established in that area. Well, that was great until service calls started to come up. We just didn't think about it, right? It was just no one did anything wrong per se. It was just something that hadn't been thought of because it was an obstacle we hadn't had to cross yet. Um, and and we we almost got ourselves into a tough spot um, with some angry customers. You you get windows that can't close or sliding glass doors that are off the track or, um, you know, walls that maybe there was an issue with insulation during a siding install or whatever the case may be. And these customers expect service in a timely manner. Um, and you can't tell them, well, you have to wait until we come back into your area. That'll be three, four, five, six weeks. Yeah. In a timely Um, manner, (laughs) as in like right now. (laughs) As in right now, especially when a product was just installed, right? So it's great that you could get down there and get it installed. But what happens when there's an immediate service call and your installer is already gone four or five hours back home? It's a problem. It's definitely a problem. So that was a tough lesson learned. Um, And once we expanded into that Kansas City market and learned those lessons, obviously we had service and things of that sort established, as well as some uh, more defined operations processes before we stepped into to the other new markets. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a tough thing that that we experienced in our in our growth and our expansion there. Absolutely. Um, and so what do you think as companies are growing as you know, right now with you know, we call it the COVID contact rate, the COVID response yeah. rate that, you know, at first all these companies pulled back and were like, oh no, what are we going to do? And then, you know, for the majority of the people I talk to, it's been some of their, you know, record months, weeks, even the record year, uh, you know, with this, they just had to make a few little shifts. Uh, yeah. and, and so as they're growing in, in doing that, what are maybe a couple of points that you recommend to do on that, you know, that upside to, to hopefully not have to get to the point where you're reacting to the upset customers and having to figure out a process? Yes. Great, great point. Well, first of all, stop right now and ask yourself, do I have processes? And and that is forever and ever and ever. Whatever your warranty terms are, you should think of processes all the way through whatever those warranty terms are. So of course, that's individual by product and your organization. But that would be the first question that I would ask myself. Do I have processes? Are, are they processes that are, are replicable? Can people actually take these processes and carry them out? Do they make sense? Um, And then I think the second piece is, is as you grow around the current processes that you have, remembering that those processes may have to be adjusted. Don't get so married to them 
that you 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 make business bad because you won't be flexible within your process. And remember, focus on the root, not always the fruit. So if a process suddenly isn't working because business is bigger, you're doing 20 installs a week, not five. Um, you have 20 salespeople in the field, not five. Whatever the increase of businesses, if that process is no longer working, go back to the root and evaluate it all the way through. You will find the error somewhere within that process. Don't immediately see a problem and just add another step to the end of the process, right? You're not truly making sure that your process fits whatever issue has created that it no longer applies, right? So go back to that root and evaluate that process all the way through. And this is going to happen multiple times throughout growth. I think it's a good problem to have, right? If you find yourself sitting down going, crap, we've outgrown this. It doesn't work for us anymore. Giggle first because that's a good problem to yeah, have. Absolutely. And, then, and then go to the root and evaluate it all the way through to the fruit of where your issue is and see where does the true problem lie and adjust accordingly. Yeah, I see a lot, you know, with processes um, that the problem there is. So first of all, the first problem is they just don't even have a process. So that's, <laughs> that's a first problem. But then, okay, so now a company, let's say they've sat down and created that process. Well, the next process is it hasn't been clearly communicated to all involved and are yep. they following the process? So yep. a lot of times I see companies where they're like, our process is broken. It doesn't work. We need to change it. And then you go into the organization and you find out, well, they're not even doing the process. That's why it's broke, you know, that. And so, okay, so now let's say you got the process is clearly communicated. Everybody knows what they need to execute on and and they're doing that. I think the the last point is that actionable feedback that, you know, holding, you know, all parties involved accountable to doing what they're supposed to do to make it all work. Yeah. And and let me tell you the key about that accountable thing. When you go in and you go, they're not even doing it. At, at find out why. There's typically a reason why. And what I typically find, especially in the operations side, right, um, you have some office staff that is typically carrying out these ops processes, the ordering of the product, the scheduling with the customer, the service, whatever it may be. Have an inclusive culture when creating those processes. Make sure you understand what those folks actually do every day and what what that means for them, what that process means for them. Have roundtables. Include the entry-level employees that have to do these processes every day. Um, I've stepped in before. Um, I've been brought in by the owner, and they're furious because the ops team is not doing what they're supposed to do. They tell me what they think the ops team is supposed to do. I go sit down with the ops team. The ops team shows me why they're not doing it, and here's why. And guess what? It made sense. Yeah. <laughs> I understood why they weren't doing it. This conversation just hadn't happened. So an inclusive culture, a transparent culture, and stay away from the what I like to call the busted gotcha culture. Don't set your employees up for failure. Communicate to them what you expect. Help them understand they're going to be held accountable. And make sure that everyone is okay with those expectations, right? And if not, a a conversation should be had up front. Don't just put it out there, shut down any opportunity for feedback, and then when things don't work out, we end up in what I call the busted gotcha culture. It's not a good culture to work in, um, and it results in high turnover. (laughs) Absolutely. 
Absolutely. The job's um, stressful enough for sure with the customers and the installation crews. We don't want to add to it by creating that culture. I, I couldn't agree more. Those are some great points there, Jamika. And so at the end of the day, uh, when it came to American Exteriors and the growth they have that ultimately, you know, they were looked at, you know, by Heron Capital and eventually, you know, purchased by them. What are some, yeah. you know, key points that you think made them purchasable? Um, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say to start off probably that playbook that I referred to that, you know, it was, it was solid. It was a very solid playbook, sales, marketing, ops. Um, it was a playbook that was flexible and you can implement it in just about any market. And, and that says a lot, right? Because markets across the U S move at different paces. Expectations of customers are different. The way that you go to market is different. Um, price points are different and, and they created a playbook that could easily, it, it could, you know, you could really take it and, and do it with a few little switches. It, it was workable for just about any market. Um, and then the second key piece I would probably say is a very diverse and experienced leadership team. Um, you know, we, we all started in the industry at some point in time, um, at kind of at the area of the, the group that we led. Um, and, and I feel that we had a good idea and a good understanding of, of what our teams did. Now, I know there's some, some beliefs out there that leadership doesn't have to know what their team does in and out every day. I'm a little bit different in that belief and to each its own there. But I believe that that was one of the key pieces of success for American Exteriors is that when we sat at the big table in the executive team and we talked about the numbers, there was no 50-foot view of what we thought was happening on the ground. We knew what was happening on the ground because we'd done the work. We had been there. We had been in the trenches and we understood it. Um, and none of us ever hesitated to submerge ourselves back into it to resolve a problem or to understand the changes in the business. You know, I was there for 12 years and of course things changed in the field from when I first ran things as compared to when I was sitting at the top. Right. But I was always down to go do a truck unload or to get on the phone and do a scheduling with a customer or take a customer service call or a complaint, you know, and, and remember what it was all about at the forefront, because I, I really think that that's good leadership is, is really what, what, it takes for an organization to get to that point. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and just from my travels and, and seeing some, you know, larger organizations and things like that, I think you can run into the problem. And I, I've certainly, you know, been there myself at a time that, uh, you know, your department or your organization gets so big. So the executive level essentially is, you know, there's a few layers in between them and the entry level, you know, yep. people that are doing the job uh, that sometimes you just get out of touch with reality. And you, yep. you know, have these brainstorming sessions with all the executives and y'all think you hit this home run. And then again, then you get a call because it's not working. You come out there and all the entry level people are like, well, what they wanted us to do just doesn't work. So that's why we're doing it this way. You know, right. and there's that no feedback and, you know, because that executive never went down there and, and hopped in the field. And, you know, I've been guilty of this on the marketing side that, you know, I, I wasn't in the field a lot, you know, at some of those points when I, you know, grew much, you know, bigger teams and had managers mm -hmm. and assistant managers underneath me, uh, you know, doing that role that the more I got out in the field and did it along with them, the more I was able to actually make 
good processes and you know yep. good advancements and things like that. So, um, so yeah, those are some really great points I think on on growth and and getting together and what that needs to look like. And I always encouraged you know my reps to you know hey if you have an idea, you know share it. I can't guarantee we're going to do yeah. it because you may not know everything involved, but I, I value the feedback. I mean, any, any way that we can do it, you know, let us know. And, and, you know, we can't just change all of a sudden, yep. you know, we got to, as yep. a team decide to change, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, also, you know, one marketer talks to the call center. Uh, agent and the call center agent and the entry level marketer decide that, hey, you know what, this is broken. We should do something different. And then both managers do their one-on-ones and they're like, wait, what are you guys doing? Well, yeah, we have a new process. How, what do you mean we have a new process? Whole new script. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, getting that feedback and everything, but I think being able to encourage, like you said, that feedback from, you know, the, the, the boots on the ground that are getting the job done every day and you know what they think about that and and those uh steps in that process is huge. Yeah, I um I I I can't agree with that more. Uh my people, teams uh that I've had the pleasure of leading and being a part of um from the most entry level person to the most tenured highest skilled manager that I have I wouldn't be where I met in my career without their feedback their input their opinions I've gone home and created some of my best processes because of a comment or a piece of feedback that a team member I say that I was grateful enough for them to provide me with that day because it it was the thought provoking piece that created a brilliant process that you know, just continued to feed that growth and that operational excellence that we saw and that I, I implement in companies across the nation to this day. Absolutely. And so, Jamika, that really brings us to the last uh, section of the show today called Power's Powerful Point. Uh, and what kind of powerful point do you have to sum everything up for the listeners today? Yeah, mine's simple. Uh, diversity, inclusion, culture, and people. Um, it's the key. And, and as long as we stay plugged into that and remember that without our people, we're nothing, um, people need structure. They need processes just as we did when we were little kids, right? Um, and, and, and it's our job as leaders to provide that and to listen to them and to give them the things that they need. So I, you know, like I said, diversity, inclusion, people and culture, I think that, that those are the most important things that we have in our organizations and we must treasure them. Yeah, that's a very powerful point. And so, uh, Jamika, really uh, thank you for being on the show today. Look forward to hopefully seeing you uh, at LeadCon in May, on May 19th and 20th, uh, and getting some sun in Orlando, Florida. So uh, (laughs) hope to see you there and and, and chat with you some more about all this kind of stuff, because it's, uh, I think when people get together and talk about great ideas is when, you know, change can happen, uh, you know, across everything. I agree. Awesome. Well, I thank you for your time uh, time today and have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You as well. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you for listening to the Lead Gen Leaders podcast. For a free consultation on how Tony Hody Training and Consulting can assist with your home remodeling business, please visit TonyHody.com. That's T-O-N-Y-H-O-T-Y.com. Thank you for listening.